Hello, and welcome to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. Today we're talking about Scrooge from 1988. I think that when we were talking, um, we both were like, maybe we should try something light for Christmas since we just did like a really depressing, sad movie that would like heighten anyone's seasonal affective disorder (laughs) and winter wintertime blues. I was I was watching it and I texted you, Sarah, and I was like, this is my favorite Christmas movie. I'm so glad we were watching it. What a good idea. And then you were like, it's mine too. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, yay. <laughs> I think it's good because I feel like I've been hating on Bill Murray this year. And mm. this movie just like really um, brought me back to loving him again and like reminded me why I love him. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was, he was so good in this part. Like it was perfect for him. So. <clears throat> I think it was a good a good thing to end the year with love for him. I agree. When mm-hmm. you said that you wanted to redeem Bill Murray, I was like, me too. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, obviously, it's not him, but his characters, you know. Yeah. Um, what's funny, too, about Scrooge is that it's a redemption story. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a redemption story for a guy, Bill Murray, Frank, Mm -hmm. a.k.a. Lumpy, because he's a guy, is chronically in a bad mood, and wants to put everybody else in a bad mood. Only he doesn't have a sense of humor. He's kind of like if John from Stripes climbed the corporate ladder instead of joining the army. That's a nice crossover. (laughs) Good point. So at the beginning of the 80s in Stripes, bad behavior was rewarded. But by the end of the 80s in Scrooged, you need to redeem yourself quick because all of that greed and selfishness is going to bite you in the ass. Oh, wow. Nice connections. Thanks. Mm-hmm. I also just up top wanted to say Alfre Woodard, Grace in Scrooge, she plays Frank's secretary. And she would be the uh, Tiny Tim's dad. What's his name? And Bob Cratchit. Bob Cratchit. She's the Bob Cratchit character mm-hmm. in this movie. And her son doesn't speak. Because he saw his father get killed. I feel like there's a close alternative timeline where she's the biggest television star of the 80s. That anything I've ever seen her in, she just steals the scene. She really does. What else is she in? Um, She's in this show as a secretary called i want to say it's called tucker's witch what yeah and it was only on for one season probably because of the horrible name it is a horrible name (laughs) (laughs) um i've seen the whole season okay (laughs) um actually what's interesting about that show tucker's witch is that 
the pilot episode, which is also on the Tucker's Witch release of -hmm. the whole series. I think it came out in 81. Uh, The original pilot has Kim Cattrall as the starring role. Really? Yeah. And then people didn't like it. The test audiences didn't like it. If you want to know more about test audiences, listen to another episode of Uncovered where we talked all about test audiences. I guess Kim Cattrall was in Porky's. Oh, yeah. And so test audiences were like, what's she doing married? We can't handle seeing a woman nude and then seeing her have a rich, full inner life. Oh. And so then they were... um, They went, you know what, Kim? See you later. And then they got the mom from the, on Seventh Heaven, the TV show Seventh Heaven. Mm -hmm. The mom, that actress, I don't know what her name is. Uh, But she plays the new lady. Okay. And she's a psychic detective witch. I have never heard of this. I haven't either. Now, see, what's interesting is I actually think that I slipped timelines and that this TV show didn't exist in my old timeline. I might be right there with you. You I've never heard of it. Well, and you would have to be because I'm talking to you. Oh, but what if you switch back and then? Oh, that's a good point. Okay. I'm trying to find it, but I don't see it. But she's been in a lot of things. She was on Desperate Housewives and all kinds of stuff. What's her name? He's very good. No, no, no. I mean, Alfre Woodard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She was on Desperate Housewives. I Um, just think she's great. I do, too. I think she really did steal the scenes that she was in. Um, And then I also had Bobcat Goldwaite. Oh, my God. I can't (laughs) believe it, Sarah. I think that was a good impression. <laughs> Thanks. It made me uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> it made me really uncomfortable. <laughs> so I guess this was after Police Academy probably. Isn't that where he became famous from Police Academy? I, that seems vaguely familiar. I know that I definitely saw Police Academy at a when it came out. Mm-hmm. We could do that movie. I think it's on our list somewhere. Oh, I'm sure it's on there. Um. I just remember when he got, like, even more outrageous with that voice. Oh, yeah. And it was like, whoa, slow down. Take it easy. Yeah. Um, But in this movie, I think he is exquisite. And you think he keeps it at just the right level? I think that it's perfectly played. Do you want to do a description or do we even need to because it's basically just the dickens (laughs) christmas story yeah just like an 80s version of a christmas story and then ebenezer scrooge is bill murray and he's an ad executive who basically doesn't care about people doesn't care about his own family he's very tight with his money and all he cares about is getting good ratings at whatever cost and then he and he also like sacrifices a relationship for power and fame and then he's visited by three ghosts and they show him the error of his ways and at the end he makes a total turnaround and becomes a nice person it's just like 
the same thing as a Christmas Carol with some adaptations. And it's funnier. (laughs) (laughs) That's the main thing. And they're also doing a Christmas story. Right. A $40 million live Christmas story featuring Mary Lee Ritten, the gymnast, as Tiny Tim, and the solid gold dancers. Oh, my God. That's the best part. I love the solid gold dancers. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Always have, always will. Definitely. They were on the air from like 1981 until this movie was actually like their last appearance in anything public or on film. Oh, wow. The show went off the air like I think the year before this. But I would like to go back and watch that. I wonder if we can find that somewhere. Probably YouTube. Yeah. I used to watch it every night it was on and then me and my mom would like try to do the dance routines in the living room. I remember dancing together. I mean, how great is that? That's so great. I love Getting that. Getting families dancing together. That's amazing. And it had the little puppet woman, like Ma'am or whatever mm. her name was. It was hosted by Marilyn McCoo. Mm-hmm. I think that was her name. Like, what a great name. Everything mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, we definitely need to watch Let's this. find it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes. So the solid gold <laughs> dancers were somehow worked <laughs> into a Christmas carol. And their nipples are showing. <laughs> can hardly see that nipple <laughs> the sensor she keeps getting like hit and then frank keeps being very careless and callous about the whole thing and she's like progressively more injured mm-hmm. um that always kind of makes me unsettled but that's really the only thing about this movie that i'm like feel the least bit unpleasant about it's seriously my favorite christmas movie me too i feel like it's just a gem. <laughs> and, and I love the night the reindeer died. The Santa <laughs> Claus action movie. <laughs> that That's the opening scene. Yeah. Father loves beaver. <laughs> yes, you know I love that. <laughs> it had like a little generic version of Wally in it too. <laughs> Yeah, so I feel like I watch this movie every year, and mm-hmm. Dan and I like started watching it together every year and um, making it like a tradition. But I still can like find different things in it that like I didn't notice before, or it still will be like fresh enough to me where I can still enjoy it, even though I know I just saw it a year ago. And so I like how it starts in the beginning, and it looks like it's going to be just like a regular Christmas movie starting at the North Pole with Santa and everything, and then. It turns into the action movie and like Lee Majors comes in and there's machine guns. And then you realize that's just an advertisement. Um, (laughs) Maybe it's because I have early onset Alzheimer's that each year I'm like, (laughs) find new things and forget important things and still enjoy it again the next time. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Frank's the, I guess he's like the president of programming or something yes he's the youngest president of the network in history and so he is super critical and he's like look we gotta get these fuckers by the seat of their pants scare the hell out of them make them remember who's boss this christmas i mean that's basically (laughs) what he's saying 
And then everybody's mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, that's weird. And then did you notice there's a Picasso? Yes. I just thought, oh, that's a Woman with artichoke? Frank says, mm-hmm. we need to do a commercial my way. We're going to scare the hell out of everybody. I felt like if Scientology mm-hmm. did a commercial for a Christmas story, that yeah. this is what Frank's commercial looks like. <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of the Dianetics commercials from the 80s. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> so then Bobcat is like, you know, he's like, Frank, he's like, that looks like a, a Manson family Christmas special. Yes. <laughs> it was very uncomfortable. I thought something different about the ad. I like mm-hmm. the silent Scientology thing because I totally 100% agree with that too. Because <laughs> it was all just like scare tactics. So it's like acid rain and they show people screaming and then they're like drug addiction. And they show someone like shooting up <laughs> freeway killers and then nuclear war. And they show the bomb at the end and everything. And they're like, now more than ever, we need to remember the true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> watch your life may depend on it and i was like this is like fox news ads <laughs> oh my god you're right it's a fox news christmas <laughs> oh fuck you're right <laughs> wow oh that's messed there's a up. war on christmas there is a war on christmas <laughs> it's on, called fox news you heard it here first we report you decide so frank sees Grace's kids like painting. He's like, this painting is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Fuck your child's painting. <laughs> and he throws it in the trash. And then he commands her to give everyone, including his brother, a company towel. You know it's terrible to bathe with this towel because of the giant... <laughs> gold lame insignia that's sewn into it. Preston. He comes in and he's like, look, Frank, cats and dogs in 20 years, they're going to be the ones watching TV. So we need to get them hooked now. (laughs) So we need to start placing little tidbits for the cats and kittens. And the puppy dogs, too. He said, remember how Kojak had a lollipop? Maybe we could have a detective who dangles string. <laughs> <laughs> this is my, besides Carol Kane, the ghost of Christmas present, generally, this whole idea of hooking cats and dogs on TV subliminally is like one of my favorite things that's mm-hmm. ever happened in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> and so my cat Petra watches TV sometimes. Uh-huh. And she is glued to the TV if it's The Sopranos. Really? Yeah. That's her mm. favorite show of all time. <laughs> Like, I've never seen... She is never so glued to the TV. She will watch it. But but we've 
decipher that she likes the that sort of like mobster Italian accent that they do in TV shows and movies. Wow. She also is particularly drawn to violence. Like she, if there's violence on, she'll watch it too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> is she like Bugsy Malone reincarnated or something? She, she's really or Bugsy sweet. Siegel? What's his name? <laughs> yeah, Bugsy Siegel. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, or Seagal. So. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to mm-hmm, say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Al Capone reincarnated into your cat. <laughs> <laughs> but she doesn't even kill birds. Hmm. That's funny. It's cool that she has a favorite show. Do, do any of your cats watch TV? Sometimes. Sometimes it looks like Cooper the boy is watching sports. Um, and then sometimes we would just put on YouTube videos for them that are like designed for cats. Uh, what are on the cat videos? Oh, you know, like birds at a bird feeder, mm-hmm. things like that. Like a mouse running through a maze or something. Does that actually keep their attention? Yes, they love it. So <laughs> this guy was not far off. I think I read that there is like a channel on Roku that was like dedicated to cats and dogs. You could leave it on, like, maybe while you're at work to play for your pets. Yeah. To keep them entertained. So they don't get lonely. Yeah. So he had a good point. <laughs> so Frank's solution is to staple reindeer ears on mice. I mean, well, they tried everything else and it wasn't working. So <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? He's under pressure from his boss to get the cats involved. He's got to get the antlers on that mouse. That's one of my favorite parts. That guy that's holding the mouse is so funny. (laughs) I would never hurt this mouse. I've got two cats and a dog at home. I love animals. One other thing that happens like after, like you were saying, Elliot, Elliot Loudermilk, Bobcat Goldweight, like stands Mm -hmm. up to him earlier than... Because he tells him his actual opinion on the commercial that he didn't like, then he gets fired and, like, kicked out of the building on the day before Christmas. So that's kind of like a running thing throughout the movie where you just peek back in on him and see how his life is deteriorating um, bit by bit after being fired. You're just going through the whole thing like a Christmas carol. But instead of Jacob Marley coming, then Frank's boss... um, Lou Hayward, who was like Mm -hmm. his boss when he first started, comes to visit him and he's wearing all of his golf attire. He looks like a zombie. Um, And then he's just telling him, you know, you've got to change your ways. I was the head of everything, but it really didn't mean anything. And mankind should have been my business, which is like a line directly from the original story. And then uh, Frank's like, doesn't believe it's really happening he basically gets like dangled out of the window of the building and thinks he's going to (laughs) die. Then he starts believing it. Um, And then he's falling and falling and falling and you think he's going to die. And then he lands and he wakes up and um, it looks like nothing had happened. So then he, he thinks that it all was just like a hallucination. Then when he comes out of it, he looks over and the phone is dialing itself and it's calling his ex-girlfriend Claire. So then that draws in like that whole storyline too. Claire's like the, opposite of Frank she 
practically lives at the homeless shelter that she runs. They used to date, and then Claire was like, we already had plans with friends. And Frank was like, look, my boss invited us to Christmas dinner. We need to go. And then they parted ways because they were like, we don't want the same things. Claire being like choosing, you know, the value of like friendship and like keeping your word to what you commitments you've made over, you know, playing a favorite to the boss to get ahead. Those were the choices he had. And Claire's like, you picked wrong for me. And they parted ways. And then he, Frank got greedier and he became his father, a bitter, withholding, stingy person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we do get to see his father before this. Because this is all we see this when the ghost of Christmas past is taking him around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and the ghost of Christmas past is played by David Johansson, who I remember him as... Um, Buster Poindexter? Yes, Buster Poindexter. I couldn't think of the last part. <laughs> I almost said Buster Rhymes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not that. Yeah. <laughs> and so he sang the song, Feeling Hot, Hot, Hot. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. He, he yeah. was also in the New York Dolls. Yes, which I did not know about. And I don't know any of their songs, but that's cool. Apparently he was friends with Bill Murray, and that helped him like ah. get the part. Yes. He's great. Yeah, it's really good. You know who he was kind of reminding me of um, in this part? He was reminding me of um, Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live. Mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I can see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot different, look, like dingier looking and everything, mm-hmm. but just the personality and the kind of. What's mm-hmm. his name? Pete Davidson? Yeah. He's kind of like the love child of Buster Poindexter. And Steve Buscemi. Oh. <laughs> That's... Uh, I never thought about the Steve Buscemi part. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Um. Yeah, okay. So, can I talk about that scene? So, mm-hmm. gone back in time. He is, like, basically raised by TV. Frank mm-hmm. is. Because his mom is just sitting there watching TV smoking while she's pregnant and he's sitting in front of the TV. His dad's at work until late at night. And his dad comes home and brings in veal for Christmas. Five pounds. <laughs> and he's like, you should be grateful. It would take a, like most five-year-olds a long time to earn enough money to buy his veal. And so that's where his like love of TV comes from. Later, okay, so he's dating Claire, blah, blah, blah. She's super nice. He's not as nice, apparently. And they're both like hippies. But then he starts working on a TV show where he's playing a dog named Frisbee, like a children's show. Mm-hmm. And he's taking it very seriously. And then, like you said, he gets invited to dinner on Christmas Eve by his boss that night. And um, he's like, Claire, this is a chance for me to like further this TV show. Like I really care about it and Frisbee and I want to keep developing it. 
And she's like, we've got plans with our friends or they're our best friends. And we've planned it for like a month. And I feel that she's actually being selfish by making him go to dinner with their friends. And it's like, if they're really your best friends, they would understand that this is important to you and that it's like for your career, for your future, for a children's show. At least it's like a noble Mm -hmm. cause. And they wouldn't hold it over your head. And I feel like Claire's being selfish. I agree with you. I feel like I thought that too. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I... I was like, that's really weird. I would be like, of course you need to take this opportunity that most people don't get to sit down with the big boss. Yeah. I get the point that they're trying to make, but I think mm-hmm. they just used a bad example. It's like yeah. an extreme to where it actually makes her look like unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it looked unreasonable as well. Good. So actually, he's the good guy. Claire should be getting the intervention. <laughs> right. Well, what's funny is Claire ends up later asking him to understand that she has to choose her job. I know. What was that? Exactly. Good point. It works both ways. I wanted to go back a bit to the scene with his dad, with Frank's dad, when he's a little boy. And he tosses the veal down. His dad is played by Brian Doyle Murray, Bill Murray's brother. Mm -hmm. They're everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And he says my favorite line in the movie. He says, my back hurts. My legs ache. I'm only four. <laughs> I like rewound it and watched it again because I thought it was so funny. <laughs> He's hilarious. And he was in Caddyshack with him too. <laughs> and it explains like that scene is like, oh, this is Frank's like villain origin story and Now we can have empathy for him Mm -hmm. as he continues along his journey to rediscover his heart. That's nice. John Forsyth. Oh, yeah. You love Dynasty. Mm -hmm. I didn't really have anything to say, except I just wanted to point (laughs) out that Blake Carrington makes an appearance. That's always fun. Even though he's decrepit and rotting. But we get to see him before that too, right? Yes, in the party scene where mm-hmm. there is a woman making <laughs> the most exquisite Xerox copy machine Christmas art that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Her butt is a perfect heart. It is. I mean, you can go to a Kinko's and give it a try. <laughs> you might get kicked out. So I'll be like. I'll be like <laughs> Leave me alone. It's for Christmas. <laughs> you have to wear like a Mrs. Santa outfit. It's <laughs> so defensive. <laughs> Frank had just talked with the, the big boss and then he sees this guy and he mm-hmm. is basically has like a skater haircut like from the 90s, early 90s, late 80s. Mm-hmm. 
and he's not wearing like the normal corporate outfit and he's just all talky 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 and he's from california which is like the opposite coast so he's got like a totally different vibe and then it turns out he's friends with like the big boss's son so he's already got an in and then frank feels like very threatened by him which he doesn't normally feel threatened by anyone but you can tell that he does and then Mm -hmm. bryce does the whole like oh hi and while he's talking to you he's like grooming you and brushing like lint off your suit and straightening your tie for you which is just like a total power move like belittling you while he's making friendly chat with you Mm -hmm. so frank is already like up in arms immediately but um so the guy bryce cummings i always thought of him as like ted danson light like in this movie he kind of looks like ted danson only like a more generic less handsome version of him you never got that see what you think next time i will i feel like i feel like this guy is on every episode of murder she wrote oh he probably is but i don't actually know if he's on any of the episodes (laughs) He totally looks like someone that would be a hero. <laughs> I liked that he ordered the California health plate yeah. at the restaurant. No dairy in that. Uh, whenever they're back in history and Claire and Frank are living together and it's Christmas, Frank gives her uh, knives for Christmas, a knife set, and he <laughs> says, I've never liked a girl enough to give her 12 sharp knives. <laughs> and... Then um, she starts uh, barking like a dog. From the Kama Sutra book, because he's touching her in the place that makes her bark like a dog. Mm-hmm. Have you ever uh, looked at the Kama Sutra? Um, maybe some of it. This movie was probably my first exposure to it as a 10-year-old. <laughs> Me too. But yeah, I think I've seen some of it later in life. What about you? Mm-hmm. Yep, I've seen it. Have you seen the move that makes a woman bark like a dog? No. I think I agree with you that there's stuff that I notice differently every time. And he, Frank leaves Claire and he says, I'm a widow of business. Oh. And I was like, that's a good sums up the 80s uh-huh. quote. <laughs> it is. And I also thought, so Claire is smoking weed in the bathtub. And I was like, I remembered seeing that when I was a kid and thinking, because I was like really into taking baths when I was a little kid. I remember thinking, Man, that's going to be so cool when I get to be an adult and I can, like, smoke weed in the bathtub. <laughs> so that was Reach neat. for the stars. Yeah, reaching for the stars. Have you ever done it yet? Oh, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, so the knife study gives her Gensu knives. Remember when that used to always be on TV? There were, like, mm-hmm. infomercials all the time. Cut. And they would show them cutting through a can and then slicing a tomato right afterwards. <laughs> I really want to eat that tomato. Yes, with the metal shards and your BLT afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) We find out Grace's husband died. And this is like how much Frank does not care about people. Because she wore black for a whole year. And Frank didn't even notice. That's bad. Carol Kane assaults him with a toaster oven. (laughs) 
for being a callous, selfish prick. Mm-hmm. And that's I magnificent. Mean, it is. That was like, of course, when I was a kid, I like really loved that scene, but I still mm. like it. I love it. It's one <laughs> of my favorite. Carol Kane in this movie is one of my favorite characters ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she like does the thing that everybody wants to do to someone like Frank. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, at this point in the movie, I can't imagine somebody who's not just like, yes, hit him with the toaster. He's terrible. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. She's so good at doing like the blend of being super sweet, but also like really mean and brutal, mm-hmm. but sugar coated. She's like tough love, Frank. Okay, so Herman is this guy who's in the shelter that work that Claire works at. And he asks for $2 from Frank. And Frank's like, get out of here, you know, whatever. And then later, Herman is frozen. Dead. Mm-hmm. And it was really scary when I was a kid. And it was really scary when I watched it this week. Yeah. He's like, I should have given you the two bucks, you know? Mm-hmm. Two dollars. You know he had it. Oh, yeah. Everybody carried cash back then. There weren't a bunch of debit cards. So that was very scary. It was sad because he seemed like such a sweet guy. And then you see him just, like, completely frozen. To death on the streets because he couldn't get in. I think he said he needed like $2 to secure his place or something mm-hmm. in the shelter. Yes. But then again, doesn't that really make Claire the bad person again for not letting him in unless he had $2? So really, she killed him because she runs the shelter. <laughs> Sorry. So the actor who plays Herman, he was in this movie that I saw. Must have been fourth grade. It was a horror movie where this group of people, they go to this island and they're stuck there. And there's like one house on the island. And Herman in this movie, that actor is one of the people that's on the island and they're all killers. Ew. And he's super scary. That freaked me out even more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can see him playing like a creepy person. I don't remember the name of that movie. It was scary. I always forget that Bobcat loses it. Like every time I watch this, I'm just like, (laughs) I just like kind of act like that part doesn't actually happen. Yeah, I think I must too. I don't think about it like it's not yeah it's not like hanging over my head the whole time mm-hmm. I feel like I could do without it mm-hmm. it's kind of reminiscent of um, the scene in 9 to 5 though I thought that too yeah that's the only redeeming quality of it I guess it's played like a video game or a cartoon yeah he's the rabbit and he's Elmer Fudd 
I think he even calls him like a wascally wabbit or something. Mm-hmm. While he's shooting at him. That kind of stuff happening back then. I feel like that just has, that kind of thing has a different connotation now and it's just sort of unsettling. Mm-hmm. Do you get that too? I think so. Cause I'm sure that it wasn't like shootings were not as prominent back then as they are now. Like workplace violence like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think at that time it was easier to just be like, this is just a movie and they did it in like a comical way, like you said, so it didn't seem as bad, but now it's still just like uncomfortable to think about. Yeah. It's kind it's an uncomfortable reminder where before it was just like, this is absurd. Yeah. Therefore it's like funny. It's different now. <clears throat> um, like you wouldn't dream of putting something like that in a movie now. Not in a comedy. So Frank's getting burned. His body's getting burned. And his brother and sister-in-law are watching it happen. Is that a thing? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, maybe, but not, I don't feel like that's something that you'd want to watch. I mean, except, you know, like there are like funeral pyres where that is a traditional thing in some cultures, but I've never seen where you watch like the casket go into the crematorium. Different families have different traditions. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, speaking of crematoriums, the other day I was Christmas shopping. You know, I was looking for a sports gift. I came across urns that you can order for less than $200 with your favorite college basketball team logo. Oh, wow. I guess that's a good deal. Yeah. We'll do a different episode about (laughs) options for burial Oh my god! We can't we keep it from getting dark. It just keeps getting dark. <laughs> we should do that um, in January. Okay. <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> We're looking forward to the past. Because <laughs> we're watching movies from the past. Mm. Oh, you're yeah. right. Oh, nice. Yeah. You're genius. Oh, that's clever. Mm-hmm. That's how clever of you to notice. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so then Frank gets real freaked out because he's like, oh, no, I'm going to die. And then like, fr- um, we're all going to die, though, Frank. Mm-hmm. Is that a yeah. surprise to him? Yeah, I think so. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm going to die before I make a difference. Uh, Okay. Because at that point, they'd already turned him enough to realize that he needed Mm -hmm. to be making a difference. And then he goes on live TV and he's like, what are we all doing? Let's wake up and like love one another. It's really sweet. It is sweet. So he interrupts, like, the big finale of this $40 million production they've been working up to. 
And he interrupts Mary Lou Retton's big finale, which I was bummed about Me too. as a child and still. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. She was like the queen. Oh, yeah. But then he's, yeah, taking a real chance um, on maybe getting fired by doing this. He basically just goes on in like a big rant on the live TV show telling people not to watch TV, even though he's the head of the network. <laughs> Right. Or the president. And then so the head of the network is like freaking out. I'm like, you're going to get fired. But he doesn't care because he's a changed man and he's willing to take that risk. But then I think it ends up getting like good, good ratings anyway. And he probably gets to keep his job. So everyone wins. Oh, yeah. Totally. Oh, yeah. And then Elliot Loudermilk gets rehired with a raise. And he actually makes him like the vice president of programming or something. Yeah, because he tells the truth. Yes. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Although, I mean, he is being rewarded for going after the boss with a shotgun. But true. Other than that, if you just like ignore that part and act like it was accidentally left in, because uh-huh. <laughs> you're right, it's not needed. No. All they have to have him doing is like standing outside. Mm-hmm. He trips, maybe Elliot trips Frank. That's about as much aggression as you need because these actors are already really funny. What is your favorite scene? The whole sequence with Carol Kane is my yeah. favorite scene. <laughs> I just love her so much. And when I was a little kid, I was like, I want to be like her. <laughs> Anytime I would see her in something, I was like, I want to be like her when I grow up. <laughs> I think you kind of are like her. <laughs> Another movie character we can add to the list of people that you wanted to be like when you grew up and that you've taken some elements of it and done it. Oh, yeah, you're right. Good job. Nice me. work. Thanks. I need to I'd say that that's probably my favorite scene, too. Mm-hmm. One of the most memorable scenes, though, is like the restaurant scene with the uh, when he's first starting Mm -hmm. to kind of lose it after he's been warned that he's going to see the ghost Mm -hmm. and that they're going to come at 12. The eyeball lunch. And he was like, aha, it didn't happen. But he's like slowly starting to have hallucinations. Yeah. And he sees they order a highball. And then when he gets it, he sees an eyeball in it. And he's screaming and losing his mind, but no one else sees it. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, I think we've all done that. Then he sees the waiter who is, like, on fire, but really he's not on fire. And then he throws the bucket of water on him. And he's like, I'm sorry, I thought you were Richard Pryor. <laughs> you remember that from when we were a kid? Yes, I do. Richard Pryor setting himself on fire. Yes. Oh my gosh, how terrible. I don't think I fully understood the details as a child. I just remember hearing about him catching himself on fire. Mm -hmm. I don't know how extreme it was. Did he get really, really injured? I I don't don't know much of the details, except Mm -hmm. that he was freebasing cocaine, Mm -hmm. and which is very flammable. I think he got burned kind of bad, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think he might have. I'm yeah, never going to free base. So I thought that part was like, I was like, ooh, ouch, that's kind of insensitive. But then I'm like, well, I'm sure that they met on like mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live. They're probably friends. I'm that's sure what I'm telling myself. 
And that Richard Pryor would be okay with it. I think I've heard him make fun of himself for lighting himself on fire. <laughs> like in in his stand-up. I think you have to address that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if you're a comedian, like that's the way you're going to go with it. Yeah. Because Nana was really into Richard Pryor. And so like I saw his stand-up when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that he like made fun of it because that's how I found out about it. Okay. I could be wrong, but it seems that sounds like right. that's what happened. Yeah, I'm sure they like cleared it with him before they would keep mm-hmm. that in there. Then he ends up like turning around, getting back together with Claire and becoming nicer and giving people raises. And Carol Kane makes him give Grace a raise finally. She's raising, like, four kids on her own in New York, which is, like, so expensive. They don't even – they can't even afford to buy a Christmas tree. Um, This is a sidebar, but it reminds me of a story. I haven't listened to it yet, but on the podcast, I like um, Snap Judgment. They're Mm -hmm. doing a story about the Christmas tree mafia. Have you heard of this? No. Apparently, there was, like, a mob guy who was, like, Connected with John Gotti, and he would shake down the Christmas tree vendors in New York, probably in like the 70s and 80s. So, like around this time. Isn't that terrible? That is one of the biggest bummers I've ever heard. Yeah. So, that's probably why the trees were so expensive and Grace couldn't even <gasps> get one. You know who the godfather was of the Christmas tree mafia? No. Rupert Murdoch. Ruining Christmas for everyone. I've got it downloaded, ready to go. Nice. Maybe um, on Christmas morning. Oh, you know. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so, I just love this movie. I never didn't love this movie. Um, I don't really think it was inappropriate to see as a kid or anything. Um, I don't either. You know, it... It taught me. It was PG thirteen, okay. probably because of the nipples and the and the smoking a joint in the bathtub, right? Be my guess. It definitely wasn't PG thirteen because of the violence. <laughs> I found this movie to be incredibly comforting to me. I would watch it, and late at night. Dan and I started rewatching it together like years ago. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, yes, this movie's so great. And then we just watch it every year now. Mm-hmm. And we would drink because um, Frank's drink is Stoli and Tab, Stoli vodka and Tab. <laughs> <laughs> and so we started drinking that while we were watching nice. the movie. Um, but then it got oh. harder and harder to find Tab. Uh, yeah. We could find it at Target sometimes, but then it was like suddenly it was even harder. In the mm-hmm. last year, we had to buy it on like eBay or something. Mm-hmm. We got we ordered like a case of it mm-hmm. so we could have it through Christmas. And then now they just completely quit making tab. Oh, fuck. So we're bummed. So now mm-hmm. we're going to have to start drinking highballs. That's our next thing we're going to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good switch. Mm-hmm. Are you going to put a peeled grape? In yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Eyeballs. 
Yeah, they quit making tab. I thought they already quit making tab like years ago. That's what we thought. But then we would like, find <laughs> it at Target every once in a while. And we're like, oh, my gosh, it still exists. There'd be like three Damn. cases, you know. God, I would have been drugging that. I <laughs> I'm sure it's <laughs> so bad. Oh, God, I know. So bad for you, but it was good. We actually did start liking it. I mean, who cares how, if it's good for you or not? I mean, you're going to look good holding a can of tab. Exactly. It's just the fact of the matter. I mean, if you're going to drink Diet Coke, it's just the same garbage, only cooler. So, Exactly. Yep. Neat. That's our tradition. Yeah, I feel like the movie's great. Um, it's just a gem. It's just tied up in a perfect little bow, mm-hmm. and I love it. Agreed. I've gotten really nothing bad to say. I don't either. I don't think we've ever done a movie where we were like, this movie is awesome. We love it. Bye. <laughs> yeah, maybe you haven't. Um, and it's like the first movie where that I saw where Bill Murray is like the main character and he's not part of like a cast with other comedians. Mm-hmm. And I think he did such a great job. Oh, he totally holds court. Mm-hmm. Kudos, Bill. <laughs> Agreed. Um, okay. So Scrooged trivia. Okay, so that brings me to, here's one little bit of trivia tidbit. These are all from, like, IMDb. But you know the scene when Frank has already been visited by the two ghosts, and he's waiting for the third one. And then he and Bryce and Grace, Bryce and Grace are, like, can tell Frank is freaking out. And they're like, why don't you go upstairs? And they're leading him toward the elevator. And then the elevator door opens, and he sees the person who's going to be playing the Grim Reaper or the Ghost of Christmas Present. And then he freaks out and is like, ah, and he will, he throws his arms up and starts screaming. He really actually did accidentally hit Alfrey Woodard in the face with his elbow. Cause you can see her like holding her face. Oh, and then no. I, I was like, maybe it's because he's screaming so loud. Like she's pretending like it's uh-huh. hurting her ears, but he actually did like hit her in the jaw. Oh, fuck. I know. I bet that really hurt. Yeah. But she played it off. Well, <laughs> damn. She's a professional. She kept it going. Wow. Um, okay. So this is kind of funny. So the movie actually did start filming in December of 1987. So it was filming during Christmas season. And then Richard Donner, who's the director, asked Paramount, like, can we get the day off for Christmas? And they said no. <laughs> so they were being total Scrooges. Did Richard Donner send Damien? After the studio exec that decided that they couldn't have Christmas Day off. He shut up. So apparently it says that on like Christmas Eve, he fired the entire cast and crew and then rehired them on <laughs> December 26th. I love Dick Donner. That's so cool. That is cool. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. This is another one that I really liked because it's our favorite scene, our favorite person. So, you know, when Carol Kane is like roughing him up all the time. And then he's getting ready to call her a name. And so she like grabs his lip and like pulls it down really hard so he can't talk. Uh-huh. Well, according to this, when she did that, she pulled so hard that it like tore the skin in his lip, like that little frenulum oh. thingy. 
Oh. And they had to quit filming for a few days. <laughs> oh. So is that the shot they used? I hope so. <laughs> oh I'm assuming. <laughs> well, I don't know. He must be really good if he could play that off, though, too. Oh so there's, God. like, some serious injuries going on in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> she does really lay into him. This is another one that I liked because I just really noticed it watching it this time. So he's in the restaurant. He throws the water on the waiter who's on fire. And then he says the Richard Pryor joke. And then when he's walking out, he actually like falls on his way out of the restaurant. Like that's a real fall. Oh, wow. And I was thinking this year when I watched, I was like, that looked real. Like he did a really good job. And I was trying to see like, did that look like him or a stunt man? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think that was really him. And then I read that it was like real because he was walking out on like a marble or tile floor and he had just thrown water all over it and he's wearing dress shoes. So he really mm-hmm. did just like slip and bust it. Damn. I know. But he recovered really well. <laughs> wow. He really took a lot of injuries. He did. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, we all know it's like his brothers are in there. His brother's playing his brother in the movie. His brother's playing his dad in the movie. And then his other brother is playing a guest at the party at his brother's house. You can tell they all look alike. (laughs) Oh, okay. So this was his first starring role since Ghostbusters, which was in 1984. So he had like a big break in between there. Mm -hmm. And it said that he'd been living in Paris and had seriously considered giving up acting altogether. Oh, wow. I know. So that was interesting. And then I remembered like one thing I, I read about Ghostbusters was that he insisted on like being able to make the movie The Razor's Edge. He mm. like that was one of his stipulations for signing on to Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. which was like a serious movie mm-hmm. based on one of my favorite books. And so, oh. yeah, maybe he was. I don't know, trying to be more serious and get mm-hmm. out of comedy for a while. Mm-hmm. But. Okay, and then, of course, I like to talk about Siskel and Ebert. Yes. I didn't see what Siskel said, but Roger Ebert said that this was the worst film adaptation of A Christmas Carol he had ever seen. (laughs) See, this is why I don't like Robert Ebert. Roger Ebert. I mean, R.I.P. He's dead now. Oh, is he? Yeah, so take it easy on him. (laughs) I'm terrible. It's like, I don't know. What was he expecting? <laughs> it's not really supposed to be like an adaptation. It's loosely inspired by, you know. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting that he didn't think that was funny. I know. I don't know what Siskel said. I need to look that up. Um, I've, I've never seen The Razor's Edge. I've never seen the movie either. I kind of want to see it. I think that's the one that they adapt did the mm-hmm. adaptation of. Okay. Um it's a very good book. Everyone read it and then watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we talked about the solid gold dancers are in it and they started in nineteen eighty and then they just got canceled like the July before this started filming. Okay, these are two I have three more that I find interesting. Mm-hmm. So we talked about who played the ghost of Christmas past um, Buster Poindexter, the guy from the New York Dolls. And originally it was going to be played by Sam Kennison, 
Can you imagine <laughs> him and Bob Goldway in the same movie? That Just, is like, like screaming. oh my god, that is like Al Pacino and Robert De Niro <laughs> in Heat. <laughs> yeah, definitely. They're the same, but they're so different. <laughs> Very different. <laughs> Um. Yeah, but I guess Bill Murray was friends with Buster Poindexter, mm-hmm. and then that helped him get the role. You know, whenever he's out on the street, um, on his way to the awards dinner with his his brothers, like walking with him, mm-hmm. and he's just telling him like why he doesn't like Christmas and all that. And then there's um the group of like street musicians, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, what are you guys ripping off all the tourists? Did you just learn this song yesterday?" And then when you walk by, like, when he goes by them, you can see that one of them is the guy that used to be on David Letterman, the head of the band, Paul Schaefer. <laughs> did you notice that? No, I didn't notice. It okay, I actually Schaefer. did notice that before <laughs> I read this. And I was like, oh, Paul Schaefer. So I took, like, a little picture of it. Oh, but then when I saw this trivia, guess who else is in that band? Nick that Cage. actually blew my mind. Who? There's a composer named David Sanborn, which isn't mm-hmm. the one. And then someone named Larry Carlton, who I guess mm-hmm. is also famous. But Miles Davis. What? Yeah. It says that Miles Davis is one of the street musicians. Miles Davis. Yeah. I looked at it like a hundred times. Like Betty Davis as Miles Davis? Betty Davis. Yeah, the singer. What? Well, she's a comp- really funk. I guess she's a funk singer. Oh, I'm thinking of the actress, Betty Davis. Yeah, no, it's a different Betty Davis. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm like, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it's him. Wow. Yeah, the famous jazz trumpeter. Can you believe it? No. That's amazing. I'm going to have to watch it again. I know. I feel like that should be more talked about. <laughs> So to play this part, Bill Murray turned down the lead roles in Rain Man, which is like, what? What? Big, which I can see, which was played by Tom Hanks. I could see him in that more, I guess. Hmm. And this is the one that really blows my mind. That's like, are you sure? Mm -hmm. Um, The movie Cocktail. What? What? (laughs) No way. I don't see him being interchangeable with Tom Cruise, like, in any way. Wait, but, okay, so whenever he was up for Rain Man, Mm -hmm. was he the Dustin Hoffman or the Tom Cruise character? Oh, my God, that's such a good question. That's such a good question. I don't know. I assumed (laughs) Tom Cruise, but maybe it was Dustin Hoffman. Because it just says the lead role. Oh my gosh. Well, which I mean, I think of Tom Cruise, but what if he was he also up for Jerry Maguire? Like, how is I never (laughs) knew that? (laughs) (laughs) Bill Murray is Maverick. Oh my god, very different. It's a natural progression from Stripes. Yes, he's already got the training. (laughs) That's all. I'm done. <laughs> On land and in the air. <laughs> I want everyone to go to bed tonight picturing Bill Murray in cocktail instead of Tom Cruise. <laughs> Juggling the bottles. 
Flirting with the ladies. Wow, I like it. And Rain Man. That's funny. I'm going to think of it. I'm going to picture it in both ways. As the Tom Cruise role and the Justin Hoffman. What if they were twins? Oh, yeah, he could be both. Or they could have had they could have had him and then have one of his brothers play the other guy. Yeah, really, they're in everything else with him. <laughs> so they could have had. Um, what if um, Brian Doyle Murray was Dustin Hoffman's character? And Bill Murray was Tom Cruise's character. <laughs> yes. That could have been good. I feel like it would have been um, a little less sensitive and heartwarming. I mean, I think it's pretty cringy. It probably is. As is. And I know that, like, a lot of people um, on the autism spectrum have major objections to that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really recall it very well because I wasn't a big Tom Cruise or Dustin Hoffman fan when it came out. So I think I saw it, but I was just kind of like, eh, whatever. Yeah, I so. definitely saw it. We probably saw it together. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I don't remember it. I remember like the few ma- key scenes but Mm -hmm. as a 10 year old I wasn't like analyzing it from a sensitivity or like a realistic portrayal aspect (laughs) I don't think I was Mm -mm. I just remember the toothpicks scene yeah that's it I don't have anything else to say yeah me either I don't either it was great I'm gonna watch it next year me too I didn't, oh my god, like, um, the question for this episode is, have you ever been haunted by three ghosts (laughs) that made you change your life and the trajectory of your life and the way you treat people? If you have, please write to us at coveredispodcast.gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Yes. We hope you enjoyed it. We enjoy you and we appreciate you. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe if you like our show. Mm Mm-hmm. We like you. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.